Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In John chapter 21, we see the disciples going back to their old lifestyle of fishing with no success. How often have we, when we get bored or when we're not excited about our walk with Jesus, gone back to our old lifestyle or our old ways? As disciples of Jesus, we want to consistently make him a part of everything we do. We want to intentionally pray and invite him into all of our circumstances and decisions. With Jesus, we will experience certain blessing. Without him, we can have no meaningful success. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 21 and look at this incredible principle of being led by Jesus in every aspect of our lives. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Wednesday morning here in Texas and hopefully y'all are just loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, right, Lauren? Just uh, spending time in your Bible, reading and studying and meditating and memorizing the scriptures, um, above all, obeying the scriptures, right? That's, that's why we have our Bible. We have the Bible that we might grow in our relationship with the triune God. Right, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. And as we study the scriptures and meditate on the scriptures, we grow in our faith and our belief. Right, we grow in our relationship with Christ, and and as we obey the scriptures, um, we grow substantially in our intimacy and in our relationship with Jesus. When we disobey the scriptures, it hinders our relationship with Jesus. It doesn't take away the relationship. If you're in Jesus today, if you're in Christ today, if you're trusting and relying on Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, then God the Father is your heavenly Father, and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and Master and King, and the Holy Spirit is your guide, your counselor, and your comforter. And they, you know, uh, you'll always have that relationship. You will go to heaven when you die. But if you and I are not living, Right in obedience to the scriptures, if we're not laboring to to do what Jesus tells us to study the scriptures and live accordingly, um, then it hinders how we experience relationship with the triune God. Our heavenly Father loves us unconditionally, but how we experience that love is is something different entirely. Right, um, just like any parent, right. As parents, we love our children unconditionally, but based on how they're they're living their life, right? Based on how they're they're doing the things they ought to do, how they experience our love is going to be different. If they're obedient children, living a, a proper and godly life, but if if they're living in in rebellion and disobedience, we still love them unconditionally, but you know, how they're going to experience that love is going to be vastly different. So again, life is about growing to know Jesus. And as we grow to know Jesus, we'll, we'll grow in every aspect of our lives, right? Melanie, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, and relationally. So thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Um, John 21 today, the last chapter of, uh, of this gospel. We've done 20 chapters of John. Stephen says there probably ought to be around 100 teachings when we're done. Um, 
two teachings in John 21. Today, Lord willing, we'll do 1 through 14, um, and the next time we'll do 15 to 25. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your favor, your mercy, your goodness, and your love You know, on our lives and in our lives. Father, we thank you that we have our Bible we just thank you for your mercy and goodness and that we have these holy scriptures. But Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us, for living a perfect life for us, for dying a, a torturous death for us. And we thank you that you are alive and risen today and we worship you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Jesus Christ is risen. Thank you, Lord. We just got out of John 20. Um, we finished up the last teaching where Jesus has uh, appeared to the disciples. He appeared to Thomas. In the beginning, he appeared to Mary Magdalene, and we discussed that. Um and now we're going to have another appearance uh, from Jesus here. And there's a lot of lessons to be learned in this. It's a very, very, very powerful chapter. So John 21, verses 1 to 14. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask, to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. Verse one. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Verse 2, Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathanael from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. Verse 3, 
I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. So the the just a powerful, powerful lesson here. Um, Jesus has already appeared to his disciples twice, but he doesn't stay long. He seemingly only stays a few minutes with them, gives them some instructions, and then he's gone, right? We saw in John 20, he, uh, he appeared to his disciples, and then a week later, or eight days later, the other version is, uh, says he appeared to them a second time, um, and this time Thomas was with them, and he reveals himself to Thomas as well and the other disciples. And so they have these long periods where they don't see the resurrected Christ, right? Now, Jesus, you know, these are his apostles. These are his disciples. And he's instructed them to go and make disciples, right? Matthew 28, 18 to 20, right? He's told them, go and make disciples of all nations, right? Baptize them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Uh, this is what his disciples are called to do. This is what they're commanded to do. Now, he hasn't given them a, a public command yet, right? He's going to exhort them in Acts to wait for, you know, for the Holy Spirit to come on them. But they don't have, you know, Jesus is not around. Um, they've seen him twice, right? Um, in, in verse 3, it says, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they don't know what to do. There's a lax in time, meaning, you know, there's just, you know, they don't have seemingly direction, right? And so, you know, they're obviously called to be ministers for Christ. They're disciples, they're apostles, but with a lack of direction, Peter goes back to his old lifestyle. And not only that, you know, he leads, what, six other disciples with him. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. So six other disciples Peter takes with him, all of them going back to what they did before they knew Christ. So you remember these were fishermen, professional fishermen, Fishermen that made their living, right, doing this. Um, but this is not what they're called to do anymore, right? This is something all of us can recognize that, you know, when we're not having a, you know, when we're not experiencing Jesus, Chris, in, in a meaningful and substantial way, often, you know, like Peter and these other disciples, we, we go back to what we knew. We go back to what was comfortable, Right. Um, and and Jesus has called them out of this lifestyle. Right. Jesus has commanded them to be fishers of men. You remember in Luke five, um, there's a there's a similar situation where they're fishing. Um, they don't catch anything. Jesus gets into Peter's boat. He preaches. Um, then he says, push out to the deep for a catch. Peter says, it ain't going to work. You know what? I've been fishing all night. Haven't caught anything. But, you know, since you said to do it, I'll do it. And, you know, he gets so many fish that that he's overwhelmed. They go ashore. Peter falls on his face and says, Lord, be away from me. I am a sinful man. Um, and then Jesus tells him, from now on, you'll be fishers of men. Right. 
But again, they haven't uh, they haven't seen Jesus in a while. Um, they're kind of in a state of limbo, and so they naturally gravitate back to their their old lifestyle. And again, this is something all of us need uh, to be aware of. Right? How easy it is to go back to an old lifestyle or to go back to doing something that Jesus has called us out of, right? And and, and oftentimes it, it's we go back and, and we go back into sin, right? We can go back into old worldly habits or old worldly lifestyles um, because we're not, you know, we're not experiencing Jesus in some substantial or meaningful way. Um much or even the vast majority of our walk with Christ is not always a mountaintop experience, right? It's a moment by moment, day by day, intentional relationship with Jesus and, and walking with him and obeying him and doing the things that he's commanded us to do, right? And not doing the things he hasn't commanded us to do. And if we do go back into worldly ways or a worldly lifestyle or back into something that Jesus has called us out of it, we will certainly not have any success, right? Verse three, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. So again, he goes back to what he knows. Not only that, he's leading and he takes, you know, six other men with him back to a lifestyle they've been called out of. And that's often what we do, right? When, again, when we don't have any direction, when we're not feeling the presence of Jesus, we need to wait on the Lord, right? We don't need to be impulsive. Certainly, I'm, you know, I'm very guilty of this. Um, and we can, you know, we can go off in a direction that Jesus has not called us to, right? And often when we do that, we'll lead others astray as well, right? I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got, in, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Okay. Seven professional fishermen don't catch one fish. All right. Is that a coincidence? Certainly not. Right. Why would that be? There is no question that Jesus did not allow them to catch any fish. Jesus hadn't told them to go fishing, right? Jesus never told them to go back to their old lifestyle, right? Jesus told them to wait on him right? He's told him to go and make disciples of all nations, right? He's told Peter he's a fisher of men now, right? Um, so they go back to what's known. They go back to what's comfortable. They go back to what's provided for them in the past, and they find no success at all. And that's certainly the case in our life. Oftentimes, we do harm, right? Like I said, oftentimes, we'll move into deliberate sin. They catch nothing, right? Obviously, Jesus directed that no fish would be caught. Um, again, they were not given any instructions to do this by Jesus. Um, they didn't know what to do, and so they went back to what was known. They, they went back to what was familiar. Um, they went back to their old lifestyle, and when we do that, we certainly will not find any success, right? We need to be led by Christ, right, in our comings and goings. Now, what, what am I saying? Obviously, we need to go to work. We need to do our jobs. The point is, when Jesus is instructing us, we need to follow his path for our lives, right? Of course, we need to go to work. 
But when Jesus is instructing us, let's say, you know, we don't know the will of God for our lives. Am I supposed to sell my house? Am I not supposed to? Am I supposed to move to another town or another city or another country? Is Jesus calling me here? And if we don't know, we need to wait on the Lord, right? Um, you know, I believe it's what Psalms 4610, if I'm not mistaken, be still and know that I'm God, right? Um, again, we need to wait on him and not move ahead without him. Because when we go ahead without him, again, we can be skilled. These are professional fishermen. How, how is it possible they don't catch one thing? It's possible because Jesus intentionally prevented them from catching any fish, right, Corinne? All right, verse four. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Now, maybe it was the mist in the air. It's early morning. He is like 100 yards away at least. And so that's a, that's a long way. Um, and so they don't, they don't recognize that it's Jesus. Um, it's not that he was hiding himself, right? Um, but, you know, again, if you're in a boat and you're 100 yards from shore, you know, sometimes it'll be, you know, you can't really recognize who's, who's out there, right? Um, verse 5. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? Now think of these, think of this question, May, right? Why is he asking this? Why would he ask a question that obviously he knows? Jesus is God. He knows everything. So why would he say, Dustin, friends, haven't you any fish? Right? We were doing Bible study yesterday, and I asked uh I asked one of our elders, Tom, that uh you know, why is he asking this question? And, and Jesus and uh, Tom said, Jesus obviously wants them to to consider, you know, you know what they're doing and why they're doing it and the results of it. Right. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? He obviously knows they don't have any fish. He intentionally caused them. To have no fish, certainly. Right. It's not just a coincidence that they go out there and do not catch anything at all, right? Now, again, they went out there, they didn't have the blessing of Christ on their lives, right? Now, listen, this in no way, right, is permission for us to just simply be idle. We always need to do the work that the Lord has given us to do, right? Um, we need to walk and do the things the Lord has given us to do. Jesus has called them out now of this old lifestyle. He's called them out from this, and they're going back to what is familiar when this is not the call of God on their lives. And we're going to see as we uh, move on you know, into the next teaching that Jesus is going to confront Peter and tell him three times to feed his sheep, to feed his lambs, to feed his sheep, meaning to make disciples, to build up the church, to, you know, to take care of his disciples and to advance the kingdom of God. And that's what he's called to do. And Jesus is going to tell him that three times because Jesus is not around and Peter's gone, gone back to what was familiar. And that's not what he's called to do anymore. Right. So he asks them, you know, friends, haven't you any fish? Now, now try to imagine this. You're, you know, you're seven guys on a boat. You've worked all night. You haven't caught anything. And some guy comes rolling up on the beach, Kristen. Right. You don't know who it is. And he asks you, friends, haven't you any fish? And just imagine the question. Um, you've been fishing all night and you don't catch one thing. All right. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. Okay. So 
the entire endeavor is utterly fruitless. All right. But look at verse six. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. John actually tells us in what? In verse uh, 11, that it was 153 large fish. It was such an amazing blessing. They actually counted them, right? 153. You know, John was meticulous in making sure that these were counted. So, so what's the difference? How is it you can, you can be an absolute professional fisherman, go out and fish whatever, eight hours, right? All night, right? Say you went out from whatever, you know, you know, nine o'clock at night to five o'clock in the morning, right? Because it says early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. So all night you're fishing, you catch absolutely nothing, not one fish, right? They don't recognize who it is on shore. A man calls out, says, friends, haven't you any fish? They have to say no, right? Now, it's interesting. They do answer. Um, but why is it they obey? In verse 6, when he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Again, in, in, uh, in Bible study yesterday, again, when I asked Tom, again, he said, no, he probably doesn't do it, right? Because... They don't know it's Jesus. When I was studying this, some of the scholars were saying that, uh, you know, why do they obey, right, faith, when they're not, uh, you know, when they don't know it's Jesus. But when we're walking with Christ, as Christians, Tommy, when we consistently walk with Jesus, moment by moment, day by day, we're looking to be led by Jesus. And sometimes, right, oftentimes we're led in unexpected circumstances from people that we don't know. So, you know, very it's very possible they reason that, you know what, it's not going to hurt, right? You know, one more deal. What's the difference? We've thrown it out hundreds of times tonight and haven't caught anything, right? Um, he said, now, but look at how specific the instructions are. So, again, you got this guy calling out to you 100 yards from the shore, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Now, scholars tell us there, there is no difference in the times, um, you know, in the culture. I mean, in this profession 2,000 years ago, there was no difference between the right side of the boat and the left side of the boat. There was no reason to fish more on the right or more on the left. But Jesus gives them this specific instruction, Okay. If they throw the net on the left side of the boat, they obviously catch nothing, okay? They have to obey specifically. And again, the, the instructions are specific. When we're in our Bible, Peyton, when we're studying the scriptures, right? The scripture is, is clear, it's specific, it's unambiguous, right? The beginning of the entire Christian life is giving your life to Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, to avoid eternity in hell separated from the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This is not ambiguous. In John 14, 6, Jesus said specifically, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
the scripture is unambiguous that to be forgiven of our sin, to have a relationship with the triune God, and to ultimately go to heaven when we die, we must have received in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We must be trusting and relying on Jesus alone for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. John 1.12 says, to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's specific. Have you received Jesus today, Scott? Are you trusting and relying on Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? Have you humbled yourself before him and called out to him? Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now hear me, it's not your words that save you. It's not just puppeting words that save you. It's, it's Christ that saves you. But we use our words to communicate the sincerity and the genuineness of our heart to Jesus, right? So if you're not sure that you're trusting in Jesus Christ, again, the scriptures are specific, right? The Bible says in Romans 3.23, all human beings are sinful and fall short of God's standard. Again, specific. And only in Jesus Christ can we be saved from our sins, right? Out of his own mouth. If you're not sure that you're a Christian today, or if maybe you think, you know what, I intellectually believe in Jesus, but I don't know if I'm trusting in him, right? You simply go before Jesus, humble yourself before him, and simply pray to him, Lord Jesus, I confess I'm a sinful person. I know I've done wrong, Lord. Lord, I know that I am hopeless and helpless and desperate without you. But Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. And I do believe that you came into this world and lived a perfect life for me and died a, a horrible, torturous death for me. And I believe, Lord Jesus, that you are alive and risen today. And therefore, I ask you now, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and confidence and hope in you alone to save me. And to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's how you give your life to Christ. Okay. Now again, use the words that I use. But what's important is the genuineness. The sincerity of your heart. Knowing your desperate need of Jesus. And receiving him. And trusting him. And relying on, on him alone. For the forgiveness of your sins. And the salvation of your soul. The Bible is specific. And then as we continue to go, the scriptures are specific. They're not ambiguous. It's the word of God. And so when we see here, Jesus says, he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Again, the, script, the, the, the exhortation, the command from Jesus is extremely specific. It's not complicated. And that's the case in our lives. Okay. The scriptures are the word of God. It's not complicated. It's not hard to understand, right? It begins by believing and trusting and receiving Christ. And then we spend the rest of our lives growing in our relationship with him, growing to love him, growing to know his love for us, growing to obey him, and, 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 and growing to repent, to more earnestly repent where we fall short, right? These are all things we get to do. It's just this incredible privilege to walk 
and grow in our relationship with Jesus. Right, Nathan? But we have to, you know, we have to obey him. And again, the instructions are not complicated. I mean, how often have we missed an incredible blessing in our life? An incredible blessing that would lead to a growth in our faith. Look what happens. Now, again, they don't even know it's Jesus. We know when we're reading the word of God, these are the instructions of Jesus. The entire Bible is the instructions of God, our Father, God, the Son, Jesus, and God, the Holy Spirit. It's the word of God, right? The instructions are specific. Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. They easily could have said, no, I don't know who this dude is. Okay, I don't even know what he's talking about. We've been fishing for eight hours and I'm just supposed to drop this net because some dude on the far side of the shore over there, you know, just shouts out. First of all, if he asks us if we have any fish, why is this dude even asking that? No, we don't have any fish. Maybe they thought the guy wanted, you know, wanted to buy a few fish. Maybe they thought that, you know, the guy just, you know, was hungry and he wanted to eat. But no, we don't have any fish, right? Number one, the man's just butting himself into their business, right? Um, and then number two, he gives unsolicited exhortation and command. No, we don't have any fish. Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find someone. You know, I'd be looking around, like, hopefully I'd say, <laughs> you know, okay, yeah, fine. Who knows? Maybe he's got a word from the Lord, right? When they, when they did, verse six, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. They followed the instructions of Jesus specifically, not even knowing it was Jesus, right? They do throw the net on the right side of the boat, okay? And they, they, the blessing that comes is more than they can bear. Now, remember, if they don't do it, they don't get any blessing at all. And then verse 7, then the disciple whom Jesus loved, and that's the Apostle John, and he's renamed himself in this gospel, the one that Jesus loved, and I've said before, Esther, you ought to rename yourself the one that Jesus loved. Have you experienced the love of Christ in a way that you can call yourself the one that Jesus loved? Because he does love you in that way that you ought to be so absorbed into his love that you forget your own name, right? You know, it's just a, a beautiful picture, right? And there's a humility that John doesn't use his own name but simply calls himself the one that Jesus loved. As soon as this happens, it says the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. So the revelation comes obviously with the huge blessing that it's the Lord. Okay. But why the blessing? Why does this work? Okay. This is why it works. You, they could have dropped that net 200 times, hundred times, 50 times, 300 times. We know they caught nothing, no success at all. Right, Junior? No success pop whatsoever, right? Jesus is now on the shore, one drop of the net, and there's so much blessing, so much fish that you're stuck. You can't even haul it in, okay? Here's the, here's the, here's the key to it all, right? No Jesus, no blessing. You're out, you're doing something Jesus hasn't directed you to do, hasn't called you to do, okay? Um, now, again, this is in no way an exhortation to idleness, okay? Um, 
you know, Jesus expects us to be working, okay? These specific disciples, he has been give, he has given them exhortation that they're called to be fishers of men, right? I've said it many times, right? If if you're if you're in a job now, if you're in a career now and you're not happy and, you know, you're living paycheck to paycheck, you need to continue in your work and seek the Lord until he opens another door, right? But you don't sit idle, right? Um, you know, and not, you know, and not do anything and say that I'm waiting on the Lord, right? Um, you know, and that's an important principle. Um, but no Jesus, eight hours or all night they fish. Who knows how many times they drop the net again, 50, 100, 200, however it works, they drop the net and they pull it up, nothing, nothing, nothing. And who knows, maybe they pulled up weeds, maybe they pulled up trash, but they certainly didn't catch any fish, right? Um, maybe they caught seaweed or something, right? Um, but it's an exhausting night. They catch nothing. But when Jesus gets involved, the blessing is so big that they, they, they can't bear it. They can't handle it, right? When they did, they were unable to haul the net in, David, because of the large number of fish. When Jesus is part of something, it will always be better. We want to be inviting Jesus into every aspect, into every detail of our lives. You want more Jesus, right? We were in Africa um, the second time, the last time, and, and we were going out to all different parts, into the bush, into the jungle, right? And the churches would gather, and the theme was more Jesus. Mash Jesus, right? Uh, more Jesus, right? We want more Jesus. You want to, you want Jesus to be a part of everything, okay? They're saved. They believe in Jesus. They're spiritually alive. They're born again. But Jesus didn't tell them to go out to go here. He had given them other instructions, right? So they have no success. All of a sudden now, Jesus shows up on shore early in the morning, asks them a hard question. They have to answer, no. We have not caught anything. You don't say, right? He gives them absolute specific instructions now that they do follow and the blessings, it's too much for them to haul in, right? Do y'all see the principle in that? Is this clear, right? You want to have Jesus at the center of, of all that we do, okay? I'm not being crazy here. I'm not saying you got to wait on Jesus to what color socks you got to put on in the morning. I'm not saying you got to, again, we want to invite Jesus into everything. I don't invite him. I went and I got this bag of burritos this morning at a place called B-Roms, right? And, uh, you know, or Brahms. And, um, you know, I, you know, I was kind of hungry. I liked them burritos. And so I stopped. I didn't seek the Lord on it, right? So again, don't mistake me for saying that, you know, I'm going to wait on the Lord to see whether I should wear yellow or green today. I'm going to wait on the Lord to see what I should eat today. Again, all that's fine. You can invite the Lord with that, but I'm not telling you to be weighed down by it. But my point is, into all your things, into all your circumstances, invite the Lord into your workday. You want his kingdom to come in your life and his will to be done. So you want to make him a part of it. You want just literally use the words, Lord Jesus, I invite you into this day. I invite you into this meeting. I ask you to be a part of this doctor's appointment. Lord Jesus, I ask you 
just to just to lead this this time with with me and my children. The more you make Jesus a part of something, the more blessed it will be in everything. Right? It's obvious here. No Jesus, no success. One drop of the net with Jesus, and it's a blessing you can't haul. Right? I like blessings that that I don't even have room to haul it. Right? Verse 7, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. So again, that's just Peter, he zealously jumps into the water. You know, he's excited that it's Jesus. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they weren't far from shore, about a hundred yards. hundred yards seems like a ways to me in a boat, but I guess for professional fishermen, that ain't that far, right? Verse 9, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. When they landed, they saw a fire, verse 9, of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Apparently, Jesus already had breakfast ready, right? Um, but, he, you know, um, but he says in verse 10, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Okay. So, you know, bring some of the blessing, right? Um, they just caught 153 large fish, it says in verse 11, right? It says here in verse 11, Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. It's interesting that, again, it's in Luke 5, um, the nets begin to tear with the blessings of fish, right? Um, here, the net does not tear, okay? Um, I believe that's correct. I'm gonna look back here in Luke 5. Just go ahead and, and read it. Um, yeah, so in Luke 5, um, you remember again, as I said, uh, this is at the beginning when Jesus is just calling the disciples, right? The very beginning of his ministry. It's three and a half years earlier. Um, he gets into a boat. He tells Peter to push off because the people were crowding him. There were so many people, hundreds, even thousands of people. And Jesus was, you know, got into Peter's boat. And so he could just have a little distance. And he preached him and he taught them the word of God from the boat. Um, verse four, then he sat down and taught the people from the boat, right? Um when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard, hard, hard all night, haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Jesus didn't ask him that. Jesus just said, go out to the back. But Peter feels like he's got to let Jesus know, listen, I'm a professional fisherman. This isn't going to work. We've worked all night and haven't caught anything, but you know what? You want me to let down the nets? I'll let down the nets. Verse six, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And then, as I told you earlier, verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Lord Jesus, someone like you ought not have to put up with a person like me. And that's the truth. Jesus ought not have to put up with us, 
but he loves us unconditionally, right? Jesus says to him in verse 10, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And that's what they had been instructed to do, right? So we, we love the, I love the specificity. I mean, it was full of large fish, 153 big fish, right? So again, when Jesus gets involved, the blessing is, we will never know the blessings we missed. Again, let's say, let's say they say, no, I'm not dropping a net. I don't know who this dude is just coming up on shore asking me, right? You know, you know, telling me, asking me if we caught some fish. No, I don't have no fish. Well, drop the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Bro, I've been fishing my whole life. I know what I'm doing. I've dropped the net, you know, 150 times already tonight. Again, in faith, right? Sometimes we do have to step out in faith. And, uh, and again, the Lord does things in ways many times that are counterintuitive, right? So we see before the resurrection of Christ, again, and this is just an observation, before the resurrection of Christ, the nets are breaking, right? Here, the, the, it's Jesus is now raised from the dead and the net is not breaking, right? So again, there could be a picture there of just the, the you know, the difference of the resurrected Christ, right? And certainly, um, you know, in our resurrection, there will be no defect, right? We'll have an immortal body. In the last chapter, we see Jesus in his resurrected body blinking in and out, right? Appearing. And again, that's a picture of when we're in our resurrected immortal bodies, we're not going to be constrained by time and space in the same way we are now, right? Verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast, right? The whole night was a waste of time, right? They were off doing what Jesus had not called them to do. Um, and they had no success in it at all. Um, Jesus shows up. They obey what he told them to do, even when they don't know it's him. And the blessing of it now is that you get to have breakfast with Jesus. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Is there anything better than having breakfast with Jesus than waking up and having breakfast with Jesus, just spending time with Jesus, inviting Jesus into your day, being around that campfire, right, Mark? Um, you know, just being with Jesus, spending time with Jesus, having breakfast with Jesus. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Lord, we want to have breakfast with you. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Verse 13, Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So the lessons are profound, right? The lessons are clear. It's not ambiguous, right, Pop? It's clear rap, right? When Jesus is a part of something, the blessing in our lives will be unmistakable. Do you make Jesus a part? How often are you making Jesus a part of your life, Nathan? Right, Becky? How often are we bringing Jesus into the situation? Again, so again, what am I saying? Again, you want to make Jesus, if you're in the car and you're going somewhere and you're just going to meet some friends or wherever you're going, 
Just say, Lord Jesus, we invite you into this time and we ask you to be a, a part of this time, Lord. We ask for your, your blessing and your mercy, Lord, and your presence, Lord, to be with us. And uh, I'll say again, none of us know. I don't know how many times I've missed the blessing um, because, again, I was I had gone ahead in something that, that Jesus had not caused me to do. And I'm not even talking about work here. Like I said, all of us are called to work, but it could have been an investment or I believe Jesus is telling me to do this or this or this or whatever. And, and he wasn't saying that. And, and surely without his blessing, you're not going to find success, right? But with Jesus, the blessing is more than we can bear. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your favor. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you that we have our Bible, Father. Thank you for our Bible. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mercy on our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you have mercy on us. We thank you that even when we do venture out, Lord, and, and do things that you haven't called us to do, have by no means told us to do, or even when we go back to our old lifestyle, that you do have mercy on us, Lord, and we thank you for that. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. Lead us, Holy Spirit, that we might see Jesus that we might know Jesus, that we might walk with Jesus, that we might be led by Jesus in all that we do. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.